she's pretty interesting. And then learning about her story yeah. was also just like, oh shit, that's metal as fuck. Literally, oh, I don't know anything about. The, I don't know anything about the uh, the the lore the, side. Uh, things. The lore side of New Capenna. I yeah. I I know that it's like Elspeth's home plane, and that I think. I mean, like I know that like. It's a city powered by like crushed up angels or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that there's like Phyrexians right beyond the gates of New Capenna or something. Something, but, uh, yeah, something along like that. So one of the things, um, Lagrella specifically, uh, was someone who, um, whenever people needed to disappear, uh, she would encase them in gold and dunk them into her fish tank. And no one suspected anything because, like, oh, well, it's obviously just a statue that just so coincidentally looks like the person that went missing. But there's no way there could be a possible connection there. Um, but well, that's wild. So it's like, a, like people break their contracts. So she finds them and, like, in case, like, she fucking seals them in carbonite, you know, pull a whole Star Wars Han Solo thing and then uh, dump, dumps them in behind her and no one's nutly and no one's the wiser and you're like whoa oh. and then you're interesting because i always wondered why she was a soldier because like, yeah i always read i read because she's like part of the brokers right the lawyers guild like her ability to me sounds like hey i'm gonna take uh, a representative of each player into the boardroom and we're gonna have a discussion you know like that like and then the, the, when the discussion being, a, and then the discussion and then when ends it's over, and, yeah then when it's over we come out ahead yeah, like, yeah. We yeah. walk away with plus and plus one counters, and so every time I cast her, I'm like, okay, uh, so your Grave Titan and your uh, Emiria Shepherd and or whatever, they're all going to go into the board meeting um, with my Coiling Oracle or whatever. Yeah, this is season motherfucking two. everyone welcome to another episode of the uncommon commander podcast where myself and other guests talk about playing uncommon legendary creatures as your commanders for whatever reason that might be today i am joined by marshall how are you doing today doing great thanks for uh, having me on of course uh marshall uh who are you and, and what do you do well, so, yeah, so I'm Marshall James. I'm the co-founder of Time Traveler Media, uh, makers of fine podcasts and web videos uh, around the internet, and we are the producers on the magic side of things of the MM Cast, formerly the Masters of Modern podcast with Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman. Um, and uh, that actually has its own weekly commander stream on mondays and that's how you and i met doing some artisan games uh doing commander streams i'm just a huge fan of commander but especially a big fan of artisan commander that's commander with no rares and uh, so you can usually find me hanging out over on the artisan commander discord yeah i uh i I have talked about artisan a little bit uh i've dabbled in it a little bit within the last uh year um and uh i was reached out uh by one of your organizers and we had a pretty chill game uh it was around uncommon legends from um battle for Baldur's gate uh we had uh corlesa i was playing lozan uh you were playing rilsa real kingpin yep and uh that was that was a lot of fun so uh definitely please go check that out uh on twitch on mondays um yeah I think you can find the game archived on uh, twitch.tv slash Kess Wiley, which is Alex Kessler's um, Twitch, Twitch yeah. channel. Um, and uh, I believe there's another stream coming on that. The, it will be, for this episode at least, it will be... Uh, oh god, <laughs> talk about advertising a, a show retroactively. There's going to be a stream uh, that was going to be on the Monday uh, that this episode comes out that I believe I'm pretty sure i'm i'm, I'm gonna be on and then i was uh i'm gonna be jamming it out with you so that'll, that'll be pretty great yeah i've got uh got some new artisan let's see we got okay uh yeah it looks like they're still sorting it out but hopefully we will have that so if you are listening to this on monday august 2nd come okay. check us out on twitch.tv slash kess wiley at 
seven ish. Seven ish uh, Pacific <laughs> yeah. Pacific time. Um, but also the games will be archived, and we're playing Artisan. I got a new Artisan deck, a uh, new Baldur's Gate Artisan deck ready to go. I was a big fan of that Rilsa Rael deck. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Monarch, so give me a new version. Give of me a the new Monarch. version of Monarch was super cool. Like I have a deck that I have that I have a my own as well. It's just the initiative, uh, surprisingly fun and a lot and really forces people to engage very much like Monarch, where people are like actually, hmm, venturing through the Undercity is actually like really good. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely more powerful to hold on to the initiative than it is to hold on to the Monarch. Like. I definitely like my favorite commander deck I have that will forever be close to my heart is uh, my Queen Marchesa deck. And uh, I definitely have put a few initiative cards into it now. But uh, sometimes the entire game, I will have the Monarch and no one will be able to take it from me. And I don't play a particularly pillow 40 Queen Marchesa deck. Mm -hmm. Just sometimes it's not advantageous for people to come get the Monarch from me. And uh, you can kind of ignore your opponents having like a free extra card every turn, but once you complete the Undercity, like, the Throne of the Dead Gods or whatever. Throne like, of the Dead Three, I think. Like, something yeah. like that. And, and like, I've, I've like, I, I say a whiff. Like, I've still hit and, like, put, like, a subpar creature that, like, was like, oh, I put counters on and bring it out. There are some bangers that you can hit off the top deck that is just super fun where you're like, oh, yeah, and you can't touch it for until it's my turn. And everyone's like, oh, right. no. Free, free, oh, that's free. A- Free circumstantial effects just by playing the game and just hitting mm-hmm. your upkeep and stuff is just super cool. Plus, the cards that give you bonuses for having the initiative are a lot better than the cards that give you bonuses for having the monarch. The monarch, yeah, exactly. Like palace, like pretty jailer. much the courts, the courts, and um, uh, although I'm I'm interested in putting together like a deck that green has some of the best monarch cards, which is like a, a bummer because <laughs> you can't put them in Queen Marchesa, but like. Regal Behemoth, yeah, and uh, I can't remember what the other one is that gives all your permanents hexproof while you're the monarch. Uh, but that and the Court of Bounty are all like real good. Yeah, they're and pretty solid. I'm uh, I'm currently brewing a deck around Halana and Elena partners because I uh, my partner got me a random pack. She doesn't play Magic, but she knows I do, and uh, mm-hmm. she got me a random pack of Crimson Vow that had in it the alternate art. The cool black and white Halana, art, uh, yeah oh yeah that and was they look so sweet. good yeah and and i was just like okay well now i feel like i have to build these and how do i build them and i realized oh they don't really like to attack but they have reach and first strike so they're really good at protecting you while your other creatures do stuff i'm like oh this can be a red green monarch and initiative deck because i can always protect the initiative and the monarch with halana elena while my other creatures are going around so that is that's super sweet i'd be interested in seeing how that works out um, but wow, uh, we haven't even talked about the the legendary creature that we're we're here to talk about. Spoiler yeah. alert! Spoiler alert! It's Lagrella the Magpie. Uh, so once again, just kind of taking a look back at New Capenna because now we actually have time to breathe a little more. Um, part of the cycle with um, uh, Quaza and Mister Orfeo the Boulder, um and Rocco, we, we have Lagrella the Magpie, which is blue, white, green for 2-3 human soldier, as we, in the pre-chat, were like, what the heck, this thing is a soldier. Um, when Lagrella the Magpie enters the battlefield, and bear with me, people, because I was also confused and we talked about the templating thing, um, exile any number of other target creatures controlled by different players, aka target up to one creature an opponent controls, uh, until... Lagrella leaves the battlefield when an exiled card enters the battlefield under your control this way, put two plus one counters on it. So you you cast Lagrella, she comes out, you exile one of your things, you exile one creature on someone else's board for up towards how many of her many opponents you got. And uh, they just go poof underneath Lagrella until she flickers or something. And yeah. um Seems like they could have just said for each player, exile a creature. <laughs> Templating, templating aside, because I could literally go on for hours about that, and it's it's just not worth committing to the bit because sure. it's been it's been done. We complain about it already, but uh, you and I have uh, done things a little bit differently. You have an artisan deck, 
around her. Uh, and I made a Karuga the Macrosage companion version, so I have nothing below three mana value for the entire list, which gets pretty interesting. Um, for your artisan list, what what is your goal and like how do you achieve it and what, what are your main strategies? Yeah, so uh, so yeah, so artisan, we're not playing any rares, no mythics. And the exciting thing about Nuka Pena was it was the first time we got three color legends for the artisan format. Mm-hmm. Um, and all all five of them are real spicy, but I was especially excited about Lagrella because I've been wanting a flicker deck for artisan for a while. And uh, Lagrella is just great with flicker effects. So the deck is playing a lot of flicker effects and a lot of creatures like her, like Fiend Hunter. And um, and so mostly this is a mid-rangey value deck. Uh, because I'm not playing any rares, I'm playing just a ton of creatures with great ETBs um, and every good flicker effect that you have at uh, Common and Uncommon. And... The goal being to just sort of overpower, pull ahead of your opponents with a lot of ETB destruction effects and a lot of ETB card draws. And then there is some combo potential um, because Lagrella and Fiend Hunter together make essentially an infinite loop because they oh. can keep targeting they can keep targeting each other. Oh, hold and... on a second. Wait, 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 wait. Um, just so that I understand it. So do you have to have like a sack outlet to, to like do the loop? Um, so, okay. So, um, what you do, you get it started with, uh, so you can have, uh, I guess you need to have a, a third, a third guy. So like, say it's Felidar guardian. There's a couple other guys that do this sort of thing. Uh, wisp weaver angel does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one or two other guys like that in this deck, but, um, so those guys that that flicker something when they enter the battlefield, oh, like uh, Flicker Wisp does it really slowly, but it still kind of effectively set it going. Um, but if you have uh, Felidar Guardian, Fiend Hunter, and Lagrella, as soon as you cast or have the third one enter, you can create an infinite loop where the three creatures are always bouncing each other in and out. So then if you have a payoff that cares about creatures entering the battlefield or leaving the battlefield, you get essentially infinite triggers of that. Um, and uh, so we have a couple payoffs in this build. One of them is uh, Sage's Row Denizen, which is a 2-3 for 3 that says whenever a blue creature enters the battlefield under your control, mill target player for 2. So because Lagrella is blue, you now get to mill your all of your opponents out for infinite which is actually uh, really strong especially in this sort of in this sort of sub format where where you have that much restrictions imposed yeah uh and then another one came out in that very set and it's called elite entourage the four four elf druid for four that has alliance when another creature enters the battlefield under your control target creature other than elegant entourage gets plus one plus one and trample until end of turn and that and trample is the important part and the trample so, is very important yeah right so um if you have at least one creature that can attack uh you get to make that person infinitely large and have trample and if you happen to have three other creatures that can attack then you have three and can take all of your opponents out uh so so those are some combos that the deck can do, but the deck doesn't have to resort to combos because you're also able to play just a really um, tricky... B- between all of your flicker effects and all of your ETB creatures, it's really hard for your opponents to ever make very effective attacks against you. And you've got a decent number of flyers like Cloud Blazer um, and Mold Drifter and stuff that after getting flickered once or twice with mole, uh, with uh, the magpie, they'll be relatively beefy flyers. They've drawn you a bunch of cards. They maybe gained you some life. And uh, so it's a fair deck in that way. Like, if you don't draw the combo, it's just a fair beatdown deck that just has a ton of um, nickel and diming value. Mm-hmm. And then one other uh, trick that I, that I came across that I really liked is playing some of the Eldrazi Processors 
uh, from oh. Battle for Zendikar. Okay. So, oh, I yeah. see. Wow. Okay. My my favorite one is Void Attendant. So Void Attendant, this uh, Void Attendant costs two and a green for a two three, uh, that has the Void, but it says uh, pay one and a green. Put a card an opponent owns from exile into that player's graveyard to create a 1-1 Eldrazi Scion token that can sack for a colorless. So when you have Lagrella into the battlefield in exile, three, you know, one from each of your opponents, you can then pay two mana a pop to permanently kill that creature and make a Scion while you do it. Then you just flicker Lagrella and do it to the next three. So uh, there's a couple other guys like that. Uh, one that's kind of uh, cute like that is Merc Strider, which is a three uh, is a four drop three two that when it enters the battlefield you may put a card your opponent owns from exile to their graveyard if you do bounce a another target creature so Merc Strider can come in graveyard a thing of your opponents and then target itself to bounce back to your hand and so you can do that you know it it's mana intensive but um, you can essentially take your time to kill each of the three things that Lagrella has targeted and then on the or then on the last one use Merc Strider to bounce Lagrella so you can start the loop again. Oh my god. That is so I've always heard like this one of the things that I'm always a fan of inviting people on is that they have their spicy tech and like it's obviously like for most people, like, it might be common knowledge or whatever, but, like, to me, like, being reminded or being pointed out to you that, like, having cards in exile of your own effect of opponent's stuff means that they're targetable for the processors, and, like, that is super cool. That is super cool to see. Yeah. That's a, that's a trick that I borrowed. I tried to make um, Astral Drift uh, work in modern. I'm mm-hmm. just a huge fan of Astral Slide from back in the day. I, I played Astral Slide when it was standard legal and loved that deck. And so I really was hoping Astral Drift would be playable in modern. Unfortunately, I could never get it to work. But one of the tricks that I played in that deck was Wasteland Strangler with Astral Drift. So you'd like a, a Wasteland Strangler is another one of these processors that like processes a card out of exile to give target creature neg three, neg three until the turn. So you could slide out one of their creatures and then uh, cast the Merc stra- or the whatever, the Wasteland Strangler, strangle that card into the graveyard and kill another creature and get like a sweet two for one. And then you can always drift out your own Wasteland Strangler to keep it going. So that is freaking super cool. And especially like in... Uh, like because removal and interaction is really different with um artisan because like especially when it comes to like mass removal it's very picky it's very choosy like even for you on this particular list because of a downshift slaughter the strong is on the list but that's like that's one board wipe and even then it doesn't necessarily kill everything but being able being able to weaponize lagrella who's a creature in your commando so there's already built-in removal but also being able to utilize processors in a way to more or less like outside of some niche situations permanently get rid of something that otherwise would have just kind of been sticking around because you're like oh i gotta flicker this and i gotta flicker that and oh well that's worse like it's such a cool utility in like where i had i was looking at uh like we we did talk about um uh, gather specimens like before as well where i'm like if i'm able to capitalize on them re-entering under my control that'd be super great and a, and a cool way mm-hmm. to utilize lagrella um but yeah like it's so cool that you can you can have that different avenue of having your three mana creature who's probably you'll probably may maybe never even cast for more than five at most because you're flickering her or returning her to your hand uh, be a repeat, if mana intensive, like kill spell for like up to three yeah. creatures, which is super sweet. Yeah. Yeah, the deck is definitely mana hungry. So I play all the ETB creatures that can get you some lands. You got you got Wood Elves, you got um, Barhaven Elf, and Coiling Oracle is one of my personal favorite cards. Um, and the mana fixing, or, uh, the lands you have access to that aren't rare they aren't bad but they're not great so you're having to like play with 
like this is a this is a, a deck that the thriving lands were really made for because you don't have access to like triomes and stuff like that. You get to play your one seaside citadel, the um, the triome that doesn't cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of your lands, you have to kind of sacrifice going a little slow. But I personally feel like having now played a lot of artisan that people hate on the slow lands in Magic a little yeah, too much. Yeah, like, here's a, uh, like, I, I have a funny little story. So, uh, you know, everyone's already talked about that. The Command Zone's talked about that. Uh, people on, um, numerous content creators have already discussed this probably so thoroughly of, like, how to increase the pace of your game. Don't play all these tap lands, all this other stuff. Uh Pleasant Kenobi had a video a few years ago that was a very similar thing, and I just commented, I'm like, uh, I will not uh, listen to this because it doesn't matter, like, to to the way I play games. Like, yes, not having access to some mana sometimes, like, on the play can be detrimental, but depending on, like, your curve or, like, how you're able to function on, like, a limited amount of mana, it probably doesn't even really impact you in the long run. It's just that you're a land behind a little a land slower like one mana down and but you have all your colors yeah and i think also like the other thing is slow lands are less i I feel like they hurt you actually a little bit less in multiplayer than they would in a duel because while you may be lagging behind the the player who's like popping off like you in that moment when one player is popping off you have two allies uh, yeah, I think, yeah. You know, like, I, I totally agree with you that I, I feel like the Command Zone has been this weird self-fulfilling prophecy where they lament that the format has gotten so fast and ultra-powerful, but they themselves have contributed to the speeding up of it. Like, they're the ones who are now saying you can't play Chromatic Lantern, which I think is still a perfectly serviceable mana fixer in a four- and five-color deck, right? But they're like, oh, you can't play that. You have to play only two mana rocks. And I'm like, well, if you tell people that, y- y'all are the biggest content creators in Commander. Like, you you have just as much impact on the format as the rules committee themselves. So, like, it's very weird that you lament a problem that you're helping to foment. Now, but I mean, like, I love Jimmy and Josh. Like, like I've worked with them in the, like, they're, they're fine people. Mm-hmm. But it's more, like, strange to see them lament a thing that they helped. Uh, cause one of the and things, I think actually oh go ahead I, I was gonna say not and and like this is just an observation like I I used to be someone who used to watch a lot of their content um, and now I'm very selective of when I I might be interested in it because I feel as if what they what they produce and what they make now is not meant for me and that's fine because like there's how many other people that happen to watch their stuff and contribute and like partake in it but one of the things i think some of my friends and i have noticed is that like you said it is a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy but it's just that they're also uh, i find that they're very insular like they're very isolated and they lack perspective i think of like the average player and like i i've i've uh you know i've talked with people who play like cdh and i've talked with people who play popper and i've talked with people who play artisan like you and and i've played in numerous pods of people of various different like expectations and power levels and how they assess magic cards and how they want to play the game and it's just it's so it's easy to say commander is solved and this is how you should play commander and but it's not fact it's like because everyone's assessment like there's a mathematical concrete way to play magic that ensures victory at all costs and there's ways to do it there's mathematical ways there's statistics and so on but it doesn't change the fact that people at the end of the day are playing this game and would you have potentially millions of people playing commander in all of its various different ways like everyone's gonna be like well i can't like i i play proxies because i can't afford it but i want to play powerful magic or i can't afford that so i'm going to buy a mana base with 20 30 40 dollars and get all these tap lands to make sure that i'm not color screwed like mid game or something like that and i'm willing to take the tempo loss of of playing a tap land or something like that it's just uh, we uh, constantly something that i've talked about especially with as many guests that i've had is that everyone has a different perspective 
and that mm-hmm. perspective is equally as valid as other people's perspectives of like the same subject even if they're like on complete opposite ends of like how to do it play more board wipes. play play less board waves play more interaction play less allow people to have their fun do not let people get an inch if they try to take it like there's numerous ways to play the game and it ultimately depends less so on like the game itself and more so how people interpret and play with those those game pieces and um it's yeah it, like it's it's just that there's things about especially in artisan like or or in these or or popper or these things where you have to have these restrictions imposed is that just because you know you have to play a path of ancestry or a glacial floodplain or a botanical plaza these lands that enter tapped and maybe have too inexpensive of a secondary ability but like mm-hmm. they do their work that's what they're meant to yeah. do and we can use them yeah i mean and i think the other thing is it's important to also like i think it's uh like one of the things i think is that it's important to like realize that this like common knowledge of like you need to play only the two mana mana rocks i think i think people need to think instead of like what is absolutely correct all the time i think what's much more important is to think about what is the play pattern the typical game flow for your deck and your commander like for example i my favorite deck is my queen marchesa deck and she's a four cost commander who draws me cards like that's primarily what she's doing in my deck so i want her out asap so because she costs four mana two mana mana rocks are great because they up they up my chances of dropping one of those turn two so that i can play her on turn three because i want the monarch in play and drawing me cards asap but in a deck like Gavi Nest Warden. She costs five instead of four. So no matter whether you're casting her off of you so you the soonest you can probably get her into play is turn four. So the soon so regardless of whether you pay a mana rock on turn two or a mana rock on turn three, you're you're still gonna get her on turn four. Unless so you got the mana mana unless you got the windmill slam like soul ring signet. Sure, right. Yeah, like I mean, you can you can do crazy stuff if you get your soul ring, but assuming that you don't get soul ring, uh you want to just think about like how does drawing one of this mana rock and being able to cast it on its appropriate turn, how does that affect the flow of my game? So if you're a commander, if you want your commander to come out early, like Gavi, right? You want to start cycling cards. If you want her to come out um ASAP, Three mana mana rocks and two mana mana rocks in Gavi Nest Warden are essentially the same uh, because you can't get her out sooner than turn four without Soul Ring. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you want to play the Moxon and stuff like that. But let's assume we're just being normal people <laughs> playing let's, normal let's, two and three I, mana yeah. mana rocks. Like, that's, that's essentially the way I look at it, right? Uh, and, like, each legendary creature that every anyone chooses to run as a commander, whether it's incredibly popular or super niche uh uncommon legendary like or uncommon mythic whatever right like sometimes like i'm not casting lagrella the magpie on turn three never yeah you're never doing that and so you don't and so she it doesn't has, matter and yeah exactly like it's just there's so like there's a time and a place and sometimes the mana rock ain't isn't gonna progress you the way you think it does Exactly. So, like, with something like lagrella you can play a slower mana base you can play um, more value uh, mana generators like I like playing Farhaven Elf and Wood Elves. They're both like essentially like a three mana mana rock, right? And so under modern like command zone theory, Wood Elves and Farhaven Elf are bad now. Uh, you only want to play Sakura Tribe Elder, right? But uh, because my game plan is not to always just windmill slam my commander on turn three, I would prefer to play this creature with a sweet ETB that then synergizes a lot better with the rest of what my deck is doing because my game plan is not to zoom right out of the gate. It's to build up a lot of mana so that I can start doing my mid-game mana-intensive tricks that I just outlined. And so I think for, for all people, when you're thinking about like building your deck... You don't need to just think, okay, I need the best lands, I need the best two mana mana rocks. I think it's instead to think, how does my ideal non-soul ring hand go? Like, 
how soon do I ideally actually want to get my commander in play? How imperative is it for me to get my commander out on curve? Or is my commander a creature that I play uh, after the game has been set up a bit? Um, and, and you can adjust your, your play style accordingly. And I think the one thing... Um, one of I, I've seen every opinion. One of the more recent ones that I thought was just really funny was... Um, Anyone who has watched the show, anyone who probably knows, the Hermit Druid, Nathan, Nathan on, on Twitter, um, he's like, you know, I could play this dual land that interests tapped, or I could play a basic. And like that, <laughs> the, the, I'm like, well, actually, when you put it like that, like, yeah, you could just also just put a basic into play and maybe you're not fixed, but it, you know, maybe if you're in a two color deck or a monocolor deck, it definitely won't matter as much compared to like three color where like yeah okay maybe you'll want to put a few tap lens in or some kind of fixing but like it there's so many different ways to like assess that lens in general in commander and it's just it's just i find it very funny that there's like actually quite a decent spread of assessment of yeah it's okay to play it no it's not a clear to play them why don't you play basics like it's just it's all it's all over the place it's pretty funny yeah i mean and the cool thing is like right commander is a bunch of different kinds of games and i i think one of the reasons why I've been such a booster of Artisan itself is, you know, Commander has quickly overtaken as the most popular way to play Magic. And because Commander is essentially a form of vintage or a form of legacy, right? Like, it's a, it's essentially like legacy. Well, legacy is not Magic's most popular format. And part of the reason is because it requires a lot of older cards. It's, you know, pretty high up in power level. And... Uh, people want to be able to play with a big swath of cards, but they don't want to have to pay those really old, uh, the the amount for the really old cards. So the development of sub-formats of Magic, so that we have Modern, and we have Standard, and we have Pioneer, like these have been integral to Magic being successful, because people want to be able to play the game in different ways. They want different metagames. Um, and so... You know, Pioneer and Modern and Legacy and Standard can all stand on their own and have their own metagames, but they're still the same game. And so I feel like it is inevitable that Commander will, at some point in time, have to um, split up into a couple different sub-formats. I mean, there will still be Commander Classic that will be, like, all the cards, right? And, it'll, and Commander Classic will probably always be the most popular Commander. That's fine. But I think sooner rather than later people are going to want to have a way to get away from some of the most annoying aspects of Commander, like uh, Dockside Extortionist loops and Cyclonic Rifting over and over again and Ristic Study, do you pay the one? Like, these sorts of things get, like, really irritating. And um, I've already seen some people talking about formats like Modern Commander, where every card in the deck must be Modern Legal. So that eliminates a lot of the busted stuff that's come out of Commander Supplements. Um, and, like, that excites me. Like, a, a modern-only Commander... Like, I love deck-building restrictions. Um, uh, part of the reason I got into Artisan is because I like a deck-building restriction. I especially love that Artisan makes Commander feel like how I remember Commander feeling 15 years ago when it when it first started. Uh, it feels pretty battle cruisery. It feels like lots of little... Um, Eke out a little bit of card advantage here. Eke it's out all a bit of card incremental, here. incremental like advantages over time totally. to to lead to the 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 finale of whether or not you win or like win or lose. Like one of the things I I, I have to say, like I, I I have thought about um because we do we mention artisan and popper and like even CDH stuff as like sub formats because of. The restrictions or specializations or even like just the different goal of like mm -hmm. what is intended right like people people have constantly been saying like well cd it should be its own thing and yet i i used to agree with that mentality i don't agree with it now because like it is a it's maybe it's not necessarily an established format all of its own locked away but people want to play it for a reason having thing and i think rather than breaking things apart it's having these restrictions um socially imposed rather than rules imposed is more important than like 
Like, yeah, Darkseid Extortionist is kind of an annoying fucking card. I don't disagree with that. <laughs> like, yeah. I anytime I see anytime I see a dark side, I'm like, okay, cool. But like, what are you going to do with it? And the answer is usually the same thing of trying to abuse its ETB effects. And because it is a very ridiculously good card, there's it, it just it also does depend on who you're playing with that it could be really good or really bad. But mm-hmm. when it comes to stuff that has some kind of restriction put in place or in some cases, no restrictions, a.k.a. limiters off, let's just fucking go balls to the walls with it, right? Um, like, that's why, even though maybe it isn't as popular, and, and you know, Marshall, what you're doing, and, like, what Alex and, and anyone else who does play Artisan and wants to explore it, like, that is the freedom of what Commander is really about, and, like, trying to... I wouldn't say that. I don't think it would happen, I think that's maybe where you and I are kind of different. Like, I think what you want to happen is already happening. It's just not set in stone with a line divided. It's a, there is an open welcome door of like, you know, maybe traditional commander is for you and maybe CDH isn't for you, but you still have the options for like popper and artisan, which is still a very, like an equally viable way. And the reason why it's so appealing is because of those restrictions. And also it's like a, a representation of a slower battle cruisery magic game that I remember experiencing back in like 2011, 2012, 2013, when I was getting really into magic. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, even like, like, and, and your decks and like, even the decks we were playing on stream when, when I was on um, a few weeks ago, or I think more than a month ago now, like, I was playing Lozan, uh, which hopefully, eventually, at some point in the future, I get to be able to talk about that in an episode. But ha- convert, like, you know, that niche of, like, well, Lozan could probably be really good in a regular commander game, even though that there are, like, hundred other things that beat Lozan out of the water. But, you know, I'm running a podcast, and I have a niche, so I'm going to embrace it. Playing Is It Dragons in general, in Commander, is probably pretty sweet. But what happens if you have the imposed limitation of when you no longer have access to the really fucking sweet and powerful dragons? Well, now the assessment needs to change. I now turn, uh, I now look at, like, a, vulcan- uh, a volcanic dragon. You know, it's a six-mana 4-4 four, four with flying and haste. Well, now, on top of it, with Lozan out, it's also six damage to anything yeah. that isn't a Commander, and also a flying mana four, like six mana four four. Yeah. So well, and I I think what you're saying is like actually, you know, I think the cool part about something like a format like Artisan or like Popper is it allows you to realize that there are a lot of other really sweet creatures. Like, um, you know, Rare gets a lot of the like, you know, splashy effects from time to time. Mm-hmm. But I I think the thing that's really exciting about these like rarity restrictions is you start digging up a bunch of cards that never will cut it in regular commander but in this particular circumstance like you said like volcanic dragon would never uh cut it in a regular commander game but getting to have this restriction allows you to be excited about volcanic dragon a you know limited all-star i mean i think the thing that feels a lot about artisan is it feels like we're all playing the best possible draft deck we could <laughs> yeah like that w- someone um my last guest uh scott uh aka savant here uh he brought on a mono blue califi deck that re- mm-hmm. has so many draft chaff like picks and choices um and i know a few players that build decks like that uh like as a budget thing a deck building restriction even for like a regular commander game uh, like whatever their goal is, the restriction is, is like, okay, well, like, let's really dig deep. How can I make this deck work? And it is those, like, it's that random stack of cards you see at your LGS table that no one grabbed. Someone just left it there. And you're like, huh, all right, like, is this anyone's? Okay, let me take a look here. And you take a look through and you're like, well, all this is pretty good. Oh, hey, hold on a second here. What is this card? Well, this really weird card just happens to be pretty useful, maybe for, like, one of your decks, or, like, someone left oh, behind yeah. a legendary creature card because well, of it's an uncommon, and they're like, well, I don't want that one, and you're like, well, I want that one, and, like, that that is, like, the real beauty of, like, Artisan and Popper and, like, budget magic, 
is that like yeah. there's a lot of things to get the limelight now yeah i mean like there like i have so one of my artisan decks is around quintorius yes uh, the lorehold and there are like cards that are total like found it on the draft table afterwards like jack-o'-lantern who's just like great because jack-o'-lantern like cycles through and it can exile itself from your graveyard so you can make spirits with him like just like another card that just wouldn't see play in regular commander but gets to see play here um and uh like another thing like you we mentioned beforehand that like simic Simic in regular power commander, I think, is is mostly boring because every single Simic commander says, play extra lands, draw extra cards, mm -hmm. which are the two most powerful things you can do in commander. So it's like boring, try, try hard to do something interesting. Um, so actually, my only Simic deck that I have is an artisan one that plays Galanra and Brynlin, the partners yeah. from Commander Legends 1. And so it's just uh, blue-green big monsters, but because you want your deck to be able to do something before you hit eight mana and can start actually casting them, I play a lot of the guys that have, uh, you know, things like cycling or adventure, like Beanstalk Giant, right, is, is super great. And when Kamigawa Neon Dynasty came out, they had the channel creatures, so like Mirror Shell Crab that channels to do a mana leak, or the the Sky Turtle. Sky Turtle are channels. like those. Those two are the, the cards I immediately think of, of just having a level of versatility that's incredibly useful at all times. Yeah, and then sometimes you you reach the late game where you have both Brynlin and Galanra out, and you're like, oh, I could just cast this Greater Tanuki. Like, I don't need to mana ramp now. I could just cast it and get the bounce and card draw off the partners. Yeah, like, I, I have found... Uh, having like i i played a lot of magic in my life i i've i've played quite a bit and most of it very exclusively has been commander i used to play like mm -hmm. standard from og anastrad through to dragons of tarkir block um and then standard was not appealing to me but like i've played with a lot of people that are like uh do, do, do you know the card um anthosa satessan hero Yes. Uh-huh. So Oh, the that's the heroic one? That's a heroic one that turns lands into like creatures. Yeah, um, okay. I've seen someone make a deck around that with some really interesting choice picks of of like interaction and stuff that they can target her with or for the heroic thing. Um and they made a scarily competent mono green deck around her when most people myself included was like this is the most disappointing creature they've ever made how could they do this because i was very uh -huh. obsessed with like green creatures and i'm like i i you know what when when you encounter that um and they do a really good job at like they you know they're they're good at piloting their deck they know how it works even with like some of these really interesting niche picks that you may or may not have ever heard of or you know like they ca they're like i cast titanic growth on her and i'm like yeah so now she's really big that seems super sweet like that's like that's crazy to see that's always going to exist and i can't continue down like downplaying like how a lot of these cards are like really effective even in a in a regular commander game like they just yeah. they they do the work because someone did their research and in this particular context or this build uh of a deck like it's doing its job, and it's a good card here, and maybe it might not be that great elsewhere, but in this particular case, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I feel like anything that encourages people to get away from common wisdom, um, get away from using EDH rec or listening to what some of the big um, influencers in the format are telling you you absolutely have to do. Like, the moment someone tells you you absolutely have to do this in Commander is the moment you need to, like discard that and with your next deck brew purposely ignore it um <laughs> and like also like i just generally encourage people to try deck building restrictions in general like if you especially if there's a commander that you like that uh is maybe overplayed or played out um but you're you don't you want to build them you want to build with this particular commander but you don't want to just fall into the same traps um, like for an example, I 
a deck that I don't play a whole lot, but I that I was really fun to brew was um, a only Ravnica a Simic Combine deck using um, uh, Prime Speaker Zagana. Like, Prime Speaker Zagana is a pretty classic uh, Simic, just win more, draw a bunch of cards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So instead, I built the deck building restriction that I'm only allowed to play cards that uh, where the art puts them on Ravnica. So you can use the three Ravnica blocks and a few random supplemental sets, but it has to only be Ravnica cards. Like these are only cards that actually would hang out with Prime Speaker Zagana, um, and uh, and so that's that's a lot of fun because then you like that deck allowed me to see how much how well designed the three Ravnica sets are because the three mechanics graft evolve and uh, what was the oh uh, amplify uh, amplify shoots. Oh, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Um... The one that Sharktopus has. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, that's Shark to Crab, excuse Shark-to-crab. you. Shark to Crab. It was Adapt, but it is an octopus, adapt. which is, which is, re- like, hilarious. But yes, like, yeah, how in adapt, that particular case. And, uh, uh, and Evolve all have a lot of synergy, and so there's a lot of, like, plus one, plus one counter synergy going on in the Simic Combine that allows the three sets worth of creatures to play really well with one another which is again like a test not only is it like a testimony of like the design but also like they knew like the designers knew people absolutely adore ravnica so they're like well holy like you know like we got to make it all work out not every ability has been like for each guild and each time a new set comes out it's not always like a, a slam yeah. dunk like some people don't like cypher for demir despite the fact that i think it's actually like a really cool mechanic i just wish that they refined it a little bit more but being able to cast a spell staple it onto a creature deal damage to someone cast a spell again i could definitely see why like you know why they specifically design cards the way they did and yeah Ra- ravnica yeah like ravnica is fucking sweet yeah yeah, I think especially now that we're going to have like Dominaria United coming out and we we know that they're going to do the same thing they did with the original Dominaria. We know we're going to get I think they said there's something like 55 legends in the set mm-hmm. and there's going to be a legend per pack. Um so we're going to see a lot of uncommon legends which I mean the artisan Woo-hoo! format itself started because they printed Slimefoot. Uh and uh, Halar, the Fire Fletcher. But we had a lot of, you know, you had the 10-card cycle of Uncommon Legends uh, in the original Dominaria, and they're all cool. They all do interesting things. And, you know, we've already seen the three box toppers that are Uncommon. Which, um, oh and... my god, I love uh, I love the Rakdos one. Yeah, Torwaki the Younger is uh, it's pretty spicy. Every, every instant or sorcery you cast comes with a two-point Lightning Helix. Yeah, yes, please. I'm, just, I'm, I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah, so, you know, we don't know how many uh, total uncommon uh, legends we're going to be getting, but uh, we do know that there's going to be 20 total of these cards from the original Legends set with updated an updated the version. Modern, modern, like modern design standards, yeah. So I'm really hoping that we're going to see Ramsey's Overdark get a new version, because... One, he's got the most metal name in all of Magic. Uh, two, I really hope they let Richard Kane Ferguson do new art for him because I love RKF's artwork and the original Ramsey's Overdark art is super sweet. And also, the original Ramsey's Overdark does something cool. He's just way overcosted, and he's on the reserve list, so he costs like seventy dollars. <laughs> uh, got to but, uh, got got to love the freaking reserve list, but yeah. Yeah. yeah that I, I do think we i mean that that's the thing right like um the one thing that's become so appealing to me especially like we saw it a bit in kamigawa and then we got it in dominaria again and and we've been seeing it more and more in nearly every magic set like the last few years of more and more um niche designs or like one third of uh of an effect or a creature or whatever stapled onto an uncommon legend um and that makes it so exciting and appealing to me because we're gonna like uh i find like uh command like 
there, there's been this threefold thing that I've been noticing when it comes to like magic design the last few years is that there's um, because of the new block structures, they have to uh, illustrate the world very differently through the game, like through magic artwork and all this other stuff. So um, th- as a consequence, because of the new block structure, they have to add more legendary creatures, which allows the world to be more fleshed out because we know these main characters that happen to exist in that particular place. We have, like, for example, for Strixhaven, like, we have the dragons, the teachers, and the students. And, like, mm-hmm. that allows this to be, like, we are at a magic school, these are the students we're following, these are their teachers, these are the school founders as the dragons, like, they're, the world is more developed. And because Commander is more popular, it contributes to that because they're like, well, we need to modernize our design and see how we're able to push the boundaries of like how these effects can can be downshifted without compromising like how powerful they can they be. Like, could you imagine if Carter Doomscourge was not a legendary creature? Like that, oh, yeah. like that to me would be absolutely insane because you could just start making clones of non-legendary Carter. You could technically do that already. There's ways to do it, but yeah. but I I would say I'd be disappointed if he wasn't legendary because well that's uh, and, and that's exactly a cool it. effect. Like I think I think that's the thing that really excites me now is they realize that these signpost uncommon leg uh, these signpost uncommon creatures mm-hmm. should just be legends. Um, and and that's something that I think makes the the artisan format really stand out is uh, most sets now have like one or two powerful uncommons in a uh, in a two color pair that tell you like this is what the draft strategy of this color pair is and uh, and so they they scream really loudly like you know jury master of the review gets better when he when you're sacrificing things because there's recto sacrifice is the draft strategy in commander legends right mm-hmm. well uh even in other sets uh sacrifice has been like the theme of black and red so there are a lot of black and red uncommons that are signpost uncommons from other sets that go into jury and back up what jury's trying to do which lends towards this feeling like wow this is the best limited deck i could ever put uh, yeah, together. yeah yeah exactly yeah like that like I, I do say, like, yes, because of uh, as a consequence of Commander becoming more popular, but they obviously still have to sit down and make these limited environments still work. Like, that's why we got this cycle. Like, that's why we got Lagrella having mm-hmm. such a unique ability to be stapled onto a legendary creature. Putting it on a rare would be disappointing, and because of maybe, like, you'd very rarely see the effect, and it wouldn't be an indicator, a push for you to draft into that. But the other thing too is, is that like, if she was just a regular box standard creature that just happened to have that effect, that'd be fucking nuts because there would be numerous of them running around at once. So you, it's adds this uniqueness um, and this restriction of like, how do I like, you know, in limited or in commander, even how do I maximize the use of this effect within the confines of the rules of commander and magic in general? Um, and it's why I found, like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm over 50 episodes now of talking about legendary creatures like this as commanders, because even though they're not the biggest, bombiest, craziest stuff, they still have their niches and they're still really fun to build around. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan, especially these last couple of years. We've got a, we've seen an explosion in Uncommon Legends, especially between Commander Legends 1 and Commander Legends 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commander Legends one added if you put every partner pair together added something like 200 potential commanders and i think the and... background the backgrounds and the commanders in in battle for baldur's gate had like 400 something permutations 400 400 total with uh, un, with just uncommons cuz there's 20 uncommon legends and 20 uncommon backgrounds or common and uncommon common and uncommon so, yeah yeah and it's like yeah that, and they don't uh, don't all make exciting combos like you know uh, Ellen Harbreeze, who has a tap ability, is not particularly good with the when your commander attacks, they're unblockable, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, like obviously, not all permutations are going to be great, but the flexibility they, are they exist. Hundred of them, yeah. yeah. Um, like yeah, it like the I, I find even what am I trying to get to here? Like. We're we're in a really crazy like brewers situation here 
especially like for artisan like you said it, it, like for for what you and alex do like for streams and like the the discord like there's a lot of opportunity now rather than just picking up like a a, a a uncommon creature that was such an indicative thing of popper and now it's like now you really have the flexibility of still having like a decently powerful creature in the command zone that opens up an avenue of of design like design exploration and deck building exploration that like it's crazy it seems crazy and super fun and i'm yeah. right now like i'm trying to get prepared for the stream on monday and i'm trying to put together a commander Lyra porter deck and i am Ooh. racking my brain because like all right built in uh, like built in uh card advantage and, and mana reduction that seems super sweet how do i properly utilize that and like what am i what are my picks going to be um to to really maximize on it and uh mm. i'm hoping i got some spicy stuff to show off in a couple days because like there there is some old stuff that i'm looking at where i'm like well i haven't played with that in a while i think that would be fucking sweet yeah yeah i definitely have commander liara in the uh in the 99 of my lulu guild artisan deck mm -hmm. that i'm going to be bringing on monday um commander liara seems super super duper good yeah. uh and I think one thing that I was going to say before we uh, wrapped it up here is I, when we were talking about sub formats of Commander, I think uh, one of the important things that kind of unites all of them, like you said, uh, that instead of them being their own format per se, mm -hmm. they just become sub formats. Like on the Artisan Discord, there was some chatter about like, should we have our own ban list? And I've been kind of firmly against that because I feel like it's going to be hard to always guarantee that you can find other people who are, you know, three other people who are all playing artisan. You can all play together. But the nice thing is all of my artisan lists are also completely commander legal. And I've definitely yeah. taken my artisan commander decks to tables with three people playing regular commander decks and one. Like, I, I think it's really important for people to leverage the fact that it's not you versus three people. It's you and two allies versus one other player. Um, but you you have three enemies and six allies spread out in the Yeah, 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 kind of yeah. Like your the, allies. The nuances think, of a multiplayer commander game where you have the one of the things I, I yeah, because cause we do need to wrap it up and like I, I do think to kind of like end it on is like I cannot look at a commander game as if I'm solely in it to win it and everyone is my enemy in every potential situation because there's going to be situations where you are not capable of handling the situation by yourself exactly i think it's the lesson that was really taught by skullwinder and secret rendezvous yes like skullwinder looks like bad eternal witness and secret rendezvous looks like a terrible card draw spell if you just look at them in terms of dual magic, if you look at them in terms of your, it's one versus three, but it's not one versus three. And when one player is pulling ahead, when you, you know, when player B is playing ahead and I can look at you and I can be like, Hey, we need to find a removal spell stat. You and I are going to have a secret rendezvous and we're cool, right? We're cool. And you can be like, yeah, we're cool. Now I don't have, three enemies i i will get you back as an enemy eventually but for now we're both trying to solve an issue that if we don't answer i'm going to lose the game anyway and that's the other thing with like Skullwinder. it's like hey i'm going to play Skullwinder, and i'm going to let you pick up why don't you pick up that terror and kill that uh you know kozilek before it ruins all our days <laughs> yeah like <laughs> you know it's that's that's the thing about commander when it comes to deck building when it comes to how we choose to play it and like how we even choose to navigate the intricacies of like the in-game interactions it's like we're people playing magic and uh we're also most of the time friends coming together to play a game so i mean yeah why wouldn't you be rubbing shoulders with your friends to try to take out the problem player exactly yeah so marshall thank you for coming on uh and and chat with me today there's uh, been a great discussion so I'm, I'm glad uh you you've come and contributed your your thoughts to magic yeah thanks for having me on this has been a lot of fun yeah. um and uh where can people find you and your stuff yeah so i uh, tweet on twitter at do i still love it 
which is uh, the name of a podcast that I uh, used to do. I hopefully will get back to it um, at some point, but uh, rewatching the movies that I loved when I was a kid to see whether or not I still love them today with a, usually with a guest. <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm also a producer of the MM cast, which you can find at the MM cast uh, all over the internet and on YouTube and on wherever you get your fine podcasts. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, like you said, if you're listening to this on Monday, August 2nd, or if you're listening to this afterwards, check out twitch.tv slash Kess Wiley and check out the commander streams that we're doing there. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a good time. So everyone, thank you for listening to this episode and we'll talk to you on the next one.